I've been out on, uh, I hesitate to call it a vacation. It was sort of like we visited places that it would be nice to take a vacation in someday. <laughs> we were on the move, on the move, a road trip. Um, and, but it's good to be back. We, uh, a couple of, we drove, we like road trips. We drove to Chicago for our, our fifth child, graduated from the law school at the University of Chicago. So I have two, two lawyers in the family. Uh, probably going to need a few more when this thing's over with. <laughs> uh, but uh, so we're very proud of him. He, he's walking with the Lord and, and uh, excited about taking the bar in Illinois. But, uh, and then we, we did some sightseeing on the way. And, and actually, this is a mountain we saw. Uh, and the, our text today is Mark 3. And it says, and he went up on the mountain. So I thought, okay, well, that's, uh, I can relate to that. We were in Chicago. This is a Rocky Mountain National Park. This is called Long's Peak. It's one of the 14ers. It's uh, 14,000, I think 257 feet, something like that. Uh, and uh, it's, it's unique in that it's the northernmost 14er in Rocky Mountain National Park. We didn't climb it. We, we watched it. We looked at it from afar. Uh, but beautiful, beautiful place to visit. And, and it, we read an old quote from an old American who visited there. He said something like, it, it connects you with the infinite. And such a great place for a believer to see God's handiwork. And the ama- you know, and they, they'll tell you, you know, at the top of these mountains, you know, right up here, you find evidence that this used to be underwater. Hmm, how did that happen? <laughs> it's all evidence of the big flood and God's great, God's great plan and actually his wrath. His wrath on the earth, destroying the earth, creates all this amazing beauty. It boggles the mind. And we have a God who's great and powerful, the great creator. He spoke and it came to be. I'm a liberal. I believe the whole Bible. My faith is wide open. Uh, a liberal should be somebody who tries to add miracles to the Bible rather than taking them away. <laughs> you're narrow and small if you're taking out the miracles. No, no, no. Let's, that's, that's a G.K. Chesterton joke. Okay, It's a very old joke. Uh, uh, liberal in my faith, I believe it all. And when the Bible says God spoke and it came into being, whew, that's a powerful God. That's a powerful God. So uh, we have the power of Jesus displayed in the Gospel of Mark that we're uh, gloriously studying. Many thanks to our, my dear friend and, and our, our head elder of the church uh, is uh, Eugene Williams. He's the chairman of our board, and he spoke the last two weeks. Very, very. I got many good reports. So thank you so much to Eugene uh, for that. So let's read the text for today. As you can see, it's Mark 3, 13 through 19. Mark 3, 13 through 19. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach 
and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boaner, uh, let's see, Boanerges, Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's open with prayer. Father, thank you for this section of scripture. Help us, O Lord, to spend a few moments up on the mountain with Jesus to ponder what he says and what has happened here and open our hearts and minds that we would hear what you're saying to us, O Lord. We thank you for your sovereign grace in in composing uh, this congregation today to, to come and contemplate this little section of Scripture. Lord, and we pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to your great truth today. And in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we are yours. Save us. Amen. Okay, so this is a, a momentous occasion uh, we have before us. We have Jesus having kind of a large crowd of followers, of disciples, of students, and he's going to be selecting out of that group a smaller group, the 12. Uh, so it's very important. And so he goes up on the mountain, and just, you know, small observation here. It, it's good to take time, uh, set aside time, set aside a place to think and make choices and to plan and to, uh, you know, have a, a time that's special set apart a, a space as well, time and space. Uh, and this is, he gives us this example of setting aside this time. And it says he, he calls to him uh, the ones whom he desires. He calls to them. And uh, the interesting thing here is this word desire. It should pop out of the question, the text to us, desire. This is interesting. Jesus is showing, showing that he, he wants these specific guys and he's calling them to himself. Uh, this is actually a foundational issue in the Bible. Uh, God chooses people and calls them to himself. Uh, sometimes it's called the doctrine of election. That God has elected certain individuals to come to him. And it's, it, you know what it's based on? It's based on his desire, his pleasure. It's not even based on the merits of the individual that he calls. Uh, because honestly, if you read the New Testament, you go through and see, whoa, those disciples, they were like really average guys. <laughs> you know, they, they weren't like the guys, uh, if they did walk on water, they would only take a couple of steps. Let's just put it that way. That's a great inside joke. Come on, a little, little tiny little giggle there. <laughs> um, no, they were very average. And, they, you know, what does the record show? They, they were often misled, confused, and even bickering among themselves. It's not like they were the perfect group of people. Uh, you know, they, were, they had personalities. Uh, 
And some of them didn't like each other very much, uh, no doubt. And, you know, other people probably didn't like them very much either sometimes. Uh, They're just regular people, but God calls them sovereignly. Uh, Probably the most uh, succinct teaching on this doctrine that we call election, and again, it's based on this text, it says, he called to him those whom he desired. Uh, Look with me to the book of Ephesians. Look with me, uh, the very first part of this great book, chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and it's very clear and clearly taught here. Uh, I want to put in just starting, um, we'll we'll take, uh, you know, it's so beautiful, I'll read right from verse 1, just a few verses though. This is Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle, of Christ Jesus, you know, that's an interesting other uh, deviation to get into. How did Paul become an apostle? He's not one of these groups, uh, one of these guys. Well, of course, Judas would betray Christ and would commit suicide, left it down to 11, 10 plus 1. And then later on, Paul would fill that spot uh, as the 12th one. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Note that, by the way, and let's bring that up later. I might not bring it up, but you can bring it up in your mind. These are saints who are faithful. So a a sign of a called one to Jesus is someone who is faithful in following Jesus. Are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, to be a believer, to be a Christian, is to be blessed beyond measure. Uh, he's blessed us in Christ, always in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's massive. It's a huge investment. Fantastic inheritance. That, that, you know, an inheritance is not something you work to earn. You were, you know, by God's grace, born into a family with a wealthy father uh, or mother or grandmother or whatever. You're inheriting the wealth of somebody else. And that's what salvation is. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And here comes the, how does this happen? Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So the doctrine of election, he chose us. That's the Greek word for for chose, it's election. Before he created the earth, he decided those whom he desired to be his own. And he chose them before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Why did Jesus call these guys? It says he desired. It's according to the purpose of his will. 
He desired to choose those 12 on this day according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. See, not one of those disciples would say, hey, my name is Thaddeus, and I'm so awesome that I earned the right to be a disciple. I earned the right to be an apostle, and I'm just really confident in who I am because I, I'm just awesome. I, I merited this thing. Not one of them would say that. They're all in, you know, in heaven with the exception of Judas. Um, and they would tell us emphatically, no, I'm here by grace and grace alone. I'm saved because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, because of the works of Jesus Christ alone. And, and my full salvation is based on him. Man, I tell you, think about the psalm we just read. Um, Kaf and Lamed from uh, our, our dear uh, friend Pat Tory. You know, verse like verse, it's all over, but verse 88, for example, in your steadfast love, give me life. You know, I'm dead. Love me and give me life. I need you to create life in me that I may keep the, the testimonies of your mouth. Uh, and then the, the beautiful one, um, verse 94. I don't know if you're a fan of the, I recommend a movie, it's called Luther. It was made about 10 years ago. It's about Martin Luther and the Reformation. Anybody see that one? Okay, yeah, yeah. And you, you might remember this, that Martin Luther's um, mentor, who happens to be a Roman Catholic priest, uh, gives him this verse. Martin when you're tortured by your own damned sins and you're laying on the floor of your cell writhing because Satan has tormented you again, this is what I want you to say. I am yours. Save me. I am yours. Save me. I'll tell you what. That's the sinner's prayer. That's the way we come to God. I'm yours. Save me, I'm a mess. I need you 100% to save me. So that's what we're looking at in Ephesians 1 here, that God has saved us completely in Christ Jesus and fully and sufficiently. Uh, you know, I love uh, the quote from um, Hebrews. He's able to save us to the uttermost. You know, hallelujah. Uh, that's the kind of salvation I need. You know, I don't need a little bit because <laughs> I, I don't have any. I need it all through Christ and through Christ alone as we have and we will be singing as well. So, to the praise of his glorious grace. That's the gl glorious, shining, beautiful thing. He loves us. He saves us. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, that's in Jesus Christ, verse 6. In Jesus Christ, we're blessed with this shining ball of grace. You know, this, it, it invites you in to ecstasy, to joy, all because of who Christ is. Um, in him, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Why did Jesus choose these 12 disciples? He desired to do it. It's always based on his choice. Do do I believe in, in the freedom of the will? Oh, yeah. I'm saved. Because God has free will. (laughs) He chose me. I wouldn't choose him. I'm a rebel. I would choose sin. Uh, But he chose us to be his own. Um, Okay, verse 7. According to the rich of his his grace, verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And here's verse 9. It's like nuts and bolts. How does this actually happen? Where, where is the screw that you tighten to make this, this thing go? It's this. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. So part of this election and choice and bringing us to him is, is a, a huge cognitive feature. That is, he opens our minds to see the truth. He makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I'm just, I'm just reading that. I'm, I'm not going to go further on that. Uh, the idea here is he desired to call them to himself. Why? It's his choice. It's his purpose. We don't even, can't even answer the question why. He chose to do it. That's his, his freedom. His, and there's a sort of an arbitrariness to it in, in our minds, not necessarily in his mind. So, but the, what happened to the response? First of all, I want to pause for a second and, and think about this. I have this picture of a, a rock foundation because this is a momentous mountaintop passage and its momentous and important in church history. Um, I'm going to be taking primarily for the rest of our 15-20 minutes together primarily thinking about it on a personal level of you and I uh, walking with God but I think it's really important to step back and say this is huge because he's choosing these 12 men uh, to be his apostles and these are the ones who will be sent out specifically. And a little later we'll define it. But an apostle is a divinely appointed messenger or representative. And these guys are going to be the people that he, God works through to build his church. Uh, and they become the foundation. Christ is the cornerstone But these people are the foundation of the church. Here's a section from Ephesians 2. I just read Ephesians 1. It says this, 2.18. For through him, that's through Jesus Christ, through him we both, that's Jews and Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. He's talking as a Jew. You, You... Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So this is momentous. This rock foundation of the church, uh, he's laying it out. And, and this is, the, and of course, and through the Holy Spirit, uh, these men will produce the Bible, the New Testament, uh, and we have this great, solid, clear, reliable foundation upon which we can build our faith. It's true, and it, it lasts throughout now, you know, 2,000 years plus the history of the Old Testament as well. The revelation of God upon which we depend and upon which we build the church. And it's this, the work of these apostles, the, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So this is momentous. This is very important. He's choosing these guys that he will build his church and these guys will be the foundation of the church throughout now 2,000 years. And interestingly enough, at the very end of things, uh, after he, uh, he says he'll destroy the earth and the heavens, the old earth, the current heavens and earth will be destroyed and he'll make a new heavens and new earth and then he's going to have a new Jerusalem you know, the ultimate dwelling of the church is this massive, glorious city uh, where they have fresh bagels and locks and the best coffee you can ever imagine. It's going to be fantastic. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, and it's the New Jerusalem. And it says that the New Jerusalem has 12 foundation stones. And the, the names of the disciples are on these foundation stones. You know, just the other day we talked about Levi, who is Matthew, the, the dirty, rotten, scoundrel tax guy who Jesus called to himself. His name is going to be emblazoned on a rock that is the foundation of the best city ever imagined, the new Jerusalem, our eternal home. It is the church's home. This is uh, Revelation 21, verse 14. It says, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the, you know, the literal actual happening here is quite momentous and eternally amazing. And, and you know, honestly, we're going to walk by those foundations and see you know, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, uh, Peter uh, uh, the rock on these rocks and we'll have to say by God's sovereign grace he chose those men to be the foundation of his church and we, we praise and trust his fantastic plan that boggles our mind and goes beyond our ability to fully understand that's for sure so foundation so let, let, let's think about this the beautiful thing is, look, look at Mark again, Mark 3, and we are in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. They came to him. It's a beautiful response. It's a simple response.
But they heard the call of Jesus, and they didn't put it off. They didn't act like it was no big deal, uh, at the risk of embarrassing my dear son, Torstein. He was out with some friends kind of late last night, got in a little bit late. And then to try to get him out of bed this morning was a little difficult. First, mom called him, no response. I went in and called him, and I talked to him. I said, Torstein, it's time to get up. we got to get going. We're going to church. And he talked to me. <laughs> but he was not awake. Later on, I said, didn't you hear me talking to you? And he, no, you know, I never, I don't remember that at all, Dad. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, finally, you know, 10 minutes before we had to leave, <laughs> somebody else, you know. <laughs> you know, the call went forth, but he did not come. <laughs> he did not come, he resisted. And, and so it's, it's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing to come to Jesus when he calls. You know, and even now, the Holy Spirit may be calling you. You may see the word, you may hear the gospel, and there's a strange tur- you know, turning in your heart. I say, come to Jesus. You know, Pray that simple prayer, I am yours. Save me, I need you, I admit it. I admit it, I need you more than life itself. So come to Jesus. This is a beautiful thing. They did come. And I, I, I wanted to just take a second and just think about this. Those whom he has chosen, those whom he desires, an evidence of their choice by God is that they come. They respond to Jesus. Uh, you know, historically, like it was, it, was, uh, it was a great Baptist preacher, Spurgeon, who said that, we don't know who's chosen by God or not. We have no idea. You know, they don't have a yellow stripe on their back. <laughs> There's no markings. We have no idea who's called. So we, we invite them all. And those who are called eventually will come to Jesus. And it's an evidence. And I just wondered, what is the true evidence that you are called by God? Well, when Jesus calls, you come. You don't stay away. You don't say later. I'm not interested, or you don't say, like, well, I never heard that. I never really heard it. No, you come to him. Uh, when, when you are a true follower of Jesus, you have a, a love for God. You love God. I did a, a funeral for my dear uncle just yesterday. Uh, he had died a few months ago, and we had the, the big family uh, gathering. I did the graveside several months ago, too. But he was a strong believer, 96-year-old man. And they had his Bible there. And it was all tattered and torn and underlined and just a glorious testament that he loved God. He loved the Word of God. He fed daily on the Word of God. That's a mark of a true believer. A true believer loves God. It's as simple as that. You're born again. You're his child. You love his Word and you love his people. You love the church. You're dedicated to the church. You demonstrate your love by service to God. You're willing to serve Him. A true believer has a sharp conviction of sin. When we have sinned or are right on the edge and, and, and by God's grace the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin, we have a horror. We feel horrendous. We turn back from it. We want to be forgiven. That's a mark of a true believer. A mark of somebody who has been born again. You have a sharp conviction of sin. Summing it up in short, if you are born again, 
you're spiritually alive. You know, if, you're, if there's a new birth, you're alive. And how does life show itself? You're hungry. You want relationship with people. You reach out to people. You're ready to serve and be God's person. So come to Jesus, as the disciples did. Now there's another observation I want to make. This, you might think this is a little bit of a deviation off the main thing, but I think it's a really interesting observation. For example, I was with a large group of people the other day, and one of my friends uh, said, well, we've got to get back because uh, we're having VBS this week, and we have 400 kids coming to our VBS. And their church isn't much bigger than ours. And I want to be honest with you, my first reaction was jealousy. It's like, what? You have 400 kids? You know, that, that stinks. <laughs> we won't, you know, we, we, we're happy if we have 52, you know, which is great. You know, if we have one, it's an eternal soul. We know that. But, but I thought, 400? <laughs> so I had a, a sense of envy, right? And this is the idea here. There's a tremendous inequity in the choice of God. You know, it's like the schoolyard pick. They're choosing you for basketball and everybody else is two feet taller than you. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just want to notice that. In, even in this text, for example, who's ever heard of Thaddeus? He's not mentioned one other time in the Bible, <laughs> except in another list of the 12 disciples. The same thing is true for Bartholomew. It's like, we, we know nothing about this guy. He's no superstar. He, he's a, we presume he's a faithful man. He was a faithful apostle. Probably did something. And uh, it was probably really good. But we don't know anything about it. You know, and, and it's got to be okay for us in God's sovereign call. He's called you to this. He's called me to that. And we have to trust his sovereignty. And he's the one who will give out the awards, you know, at the end. And it says the first will be last. You know, we expect Billy Graham to, like, get the, you know, the biggest trophy, you know, probably. <laughs> well deserved. Uh, but what about, you know, the faithful servant who does, does children's church at First Baptist Church of Monterey? Compare, that's, that's no Billy Graham. You know, well, in God's economy, which is more valuable, right? Is Peter actually better than Thaddeus? No. You'll, you'll probably never meet, uh, you'll never see anything about Thaddeus or Bartholomew, but we trust God uh, to do what's right, and we serve him with all our hearts, no matter where he's called us, no matter the results uh, you know, one, one father has one child, one father has three children. Uh, one has none, one has five. We trust the sovereignty of God. This is, what's God, this is God's will. And Lord, whatever you want, uh, I want to be faithful to you in the calling that you've given me. It's super important. Again, let's just zero in then on this, because this is Father's Day. And I think fathers have a sense of being apostles, uh, being being. S- commissioned and sent out with a purpose and a plan. The noun is apostolos in Greek. It occurs about uh, 80 in 80 contexts in the New Testament. So it's a very common word. And the consistent meaning of apostle is a divinely appointed messenger or representative. A divinely appointed messenger or representative. And, you know, all Christians fit into that category. You're divinely appointed and he wants you to be a messenger. 
And he wants you to be a representative of himself. And certainly fathers are designed by God to be his messenger. Notice so much in the Bible is, as I heard from God, I said to you, we are the the guys who should be reading the scripture to our, our children. We should be bringing them God's word, God's word, not our own word. And we're messengers faithfully presenting it and hopefully growing in this, you know, growing. None of us are perfect fathers. We're all really bad at this. Uh, but we want to continue to grow to be the representatives of Christ in our home. So, so look at there's There's a beautiful thing here in verse 14. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. So that, and here's the point I want you to, they were closing on this thought. So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So I want to think about those three things. What does it take to be an apostle? First, be with Jesus. You know, I'm with him. I l- spend time with him. I meditate on his word. I know him. I'm in- increasing in my experience and knowledge of who Jesus is. And I want to be with him. You know, be with his people. And spend time getting to know him. That's what the apostles are going to do. And then to speak for Jesus. As you know his word, you can speak his word uh, to those around you. And then cast out demons. How how does that work for us? See, you know, again, for them, that was very, very literal. And could and should be literal for us as necessary. Um, But there's also this general idea that God wants us to not be victims of evil. Not to be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. And particularly, we're to reign as kings in life and not just be victimized by every evil influence that comes along and be drawn away from him constantly uh, by evil. Now, the great song we just sang, Mighty Fortress is Our God, you know, reminds us that there is powerful evil. He has schemes and plans and our strength if we can, you know, depend on our strength, it's not enough, but we depend on the strength of God to overcome evil. And I like it how Jesus taught us to pray at the very end of the prayer. Was, it says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know, Lord, I am I'm weak, I'm, I'm easily tempted. Please keep me from temptation. It's always there. Tempted to stray, tempted to sin, tempted to rebel. You know, Satan throwing out this interesting temptation that draws you in, that will destroy everything, destroy your, um, your reputation, your life, your, and, and it just seems so easy and wonderful. But we say, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know, cast out that demon. The gospel has appeared that we say no to ungodliness. It's as simple as that. I mean, it sounds a little bit like Nancy Reagan, say no to drugs. Um, But that's what the Bible says. The grace of God has appeared. So we say no to unrighteousness. We cast it out in the name of Jesus. We stand against these evil powers. So, on this day, Jesus appointed 12 apostles. One of them was a huge failure, uh, but he's replaced and he's depending on these guys to be faithful to him. And he work, the Holy Spirit will work through them 
that they will do their job faithfully, and we depend on their work. It is the New Testament, and it's, it's certain and sure. It it's, keeps us true and pure. We stick to the Word of God. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it, and we, we study it. We love it. We know it so that we can be an increasing measure uh, more true and pure, the church, you know, uh, informed by the word of God. And then he calls us to be apostles, to be with him. How much are you with Jesus? Uh, and then to speak for him. You know, a man will speak the truth. Lovingly, carefully, but he will speak the truth. He won't just act like he didn't see it, you know, hear no evil, see no evil. What's the other one? Feel no evil? I don't know. You know that thing with the monkeys. <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, too many men in America sort of fashion themselves after Homer Simpson. You know, boo! <laughs> you know, they, they, they would never speak the truth. They would never stand up. They would never cast out evil. Uh, and, and God calls us as fathers to be strong. Loving, careful, you know, and in a team effort with your dear wife, who's so wise and wonderful. I say, listen to your wife. But to be a man, to be the spiritual leader, to speak the truth, and then to cast out some demons. Don't let the demons in. Let's, let's get them out. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great text of Scripture on this momentous occasion when Jesus desires and chooses the 12 and uh, we, we, we enjoy the, the foundation that you gave us. We thank you for it. Help us to be truer and fully founded on the foundation of your precious word. And in our own lives, oh Lord, we pray that we will be with you as your, your people. We will speak your word and we will cast out demons, oh Father. Help us not to be victims of evil. And we do echo the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.